So we're here recording Finley. We're here to talk about Landscape with Invisible Hand, latest film. And I just want to say I got the chance to see this at Sundance and I really enjoyed it. Oh, thank you so much. It's always ideal when people can see it on a on a on a proper big screen. I'm really glad you saw it there. Thank you. Yeah, and it's definitely always uh, great to see it too with like a packed audience as well, I think, especially a movie like this. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. It's a it's it's a fun one to to watch how different audiences go on the ride. It takes so many sort of tonal twists and turns it's fun to to see how people react to each of those yeah there were definitely a lot of moments uh during my screen everything where it's just like everybody's laughing and everybody's just like in shock at things happening so it's it's just a great experience honestly it is, it is yes it's not nothing can beat a, a good audience i think like big screens are great but you're so right that the real thing that's lost in the uh in the transition from uh more in theater to more in home viewing is is the chance to see it with a big group There's, you just can't replace that no yeah definitely so uh my first question to you is your first film uh thoroughbreds going to sundance how is this experience different uh coming back to sundance all these years later yeah it was really cool it felt like a real sort of milestone um coming back and uh the first time i went i was just in such a cold sweat the whole time i was so terrified i i had i had never been to a film festival i didn't know what it was gonna feel like um and this time I was a little more comfortable. I got to enjoy it a little bit more, I think. And uh, and yeah, still didn't find any time to ski, unfortunately, which is always <laughs> yeah. a real, real loss in Park City. Uh, it was a short visit. But uh, but yeah, it was super fun to, to be back and see some of the programmers again and and, uh, and reacquaint myself with, with wonderful Park City. Definitely something that caught me off guard for sure going the first time to Sundance uh, was seeing just how many skiers there are out there yeah. at the same time. I think it's like a skiing festival with some movies on the side for some people, including some of the filmmakers. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so from going from like a film like Thoroughbreds to a film uh, you had at Bad Education and then also Landscape with Invisible Hand. How do you like process like going from a different scope for each movie? Because some of them felt a little bit uh, smaller in scale and especially compared to Landscape with Invisible Hand. Or is your process like the same still? Yeah, I'd say the overall process is is pretty similar, um, but that certainly the, the as the as the movies get bigger, they just require more planning, right? The, the the joy of Thoroughbreds was because it was based on a play, and it was almost a one location movie, um, and there's something so easy about having. In that case, we had you know we we just sort of took over this enormous house and had our you know costume department take over the third floor and people all stayed nearby and we would just sort of come to the same place every day and it felt a little like working on a play in that sense and that's the uh, theater is, is where I sort of initially came out of um and with this one yeah it was my first time working with you know performers who were not present on set they were aliens that were going to be added in later uh at post yeah. and so that actually uh a lot a big part of the process unfolded after the shoot and another huge part of the process unfolded long before the shoot with uh, the extensive kind of creature design and development that we did. And then the much greater degree of planning that you have to do for a movie where you're going to be combining, you know, live action and uh, and sort of digital elements. You just have to know, you really have to know what your shots are. Uh, there's still some room for improvisation, um, lit literally and, and figuratively improvisation, but uh, you do need to be a lot more planned out, I think, the, the more your movie has a, a heavy post element. 
No, I definitely understand that. And uh, that actually leads me to my next question was the alien design is something that I don't think I've really ever seen be brought here. So uh, knowing that this is from a book, how is that whole process of creating the design for the aliens, uh, working with the author, as well as everybody involved? Like, how did that initial idea come to be for that, the alien look right there? That was a real joy. And one of the things that the book does best, I think, is describe the aliens, or in many cases, not describe the aliens. It's very, um, the whole book has this wonderful, funny, kind of world-weary tone of this. It's all uh, sort of narrated by Adam. And he's very used to this world that he's grown up in. So there's nothing that remarkable about the aliens. And he's kind of grossed out by them when he sees them. And so you get these great little evocative descriptions where it's like they didn't look like hum they didn't look like humanoids or little gray men. They looked, if anything, like a, a coffee, like a squat coffee table is like one of his descriptions. And we really riffed on that and riffed on his description of of uh of of the aliens as as uh like rubbing a gritty fin against their body and sounding like someone walking forcefully in corduroys so there are all these wonderful kind of literary descriptions that we then had to translate into something you know flesh and blood well not literally flesh and yeah. blood but something that 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 had an anatomy and moving parts and and all of that yeah definitely um i think that's like a big shock at first when you first see him because uh, when i read about the film I didn't know much about the book, but I was expecting these like different aliens. And then like once you see them, it's like completely uh, threw away your expectations, which I was expecting, honestly. So okay. I really did enjoy that. I hope so. Yeah, we, we really wanted uh, my my visual effects supervisor, Eric DeBoer, and I really wanted them, wanted to avoid making like octopus aliens or spider aliens or little green man. Aliens. There's there's a whole, you know, extensive vocabulary yeah. of different alien types and there's nothing new under the sun you can't make something completely original but we did not want it to we didn't want to you know people watching the movie to point out and say that looks like x y or z existing creature you know yeah i definitely think y'all nailed a pretty unique look though for sure thank you thank you um so still speaking about the aliens um something also i did uh like enjoy about the film is that the aliens didn't necessarily come and conquer how you usually see alien movies with destruction and everything they just use like the markets we already have and everything. So I thought that was a pretty interesting idea to throw out there is that it can actually just happen that way as well. Totally. That's like the, that was like what you just articulated was like the core reason to make the movie and what I looked love so much about the book. I mean, it, it is a, at its core. It's like a coming of age, first love sort of story. But the whole the thing that makes it unique is this idea of this kind of free market alien invasion. And I just think that's that's very true to how uh power works in a you know uh democratic late capitalist society <laughs> like yeah. living there are certainly places in the world where like con conquest and physical oppression is very much a thing and even many many places in the american prison system and all that but a lot of the way that those of us lucky to be you know regular uh uncarcerated american citizens like yeah. Uh, experience power is through these sort of invisible faraway economic uh, exchanges and, and there was something I thought really clever about the, the premise in that way. Yeah I really uh, I think that the uh, that concept is still so timely especially today with wealth inequality and all and then also uh, having that story about love and also about just finding yourself uh, how did you able how were you able to like juggle all of those different themes because there's a lot of themes here and I think you did it pretty good in this movie as well. Thank you. I'm definitely attracted to that challenge of of balancing tones that don't 
go easily together. I think some of the movies I love most are movies that are very hard to put into one genre box. Um, and it's, it, it's, it's cool to get the opportunity to make a movie that is a, it's a science fiction movie, but it's also a very sort of human scale movie. It's sad, but it's also, you know, uplifting. It's, it, it, uh, it's, it's great to have the opportunity to juggle those tones. Um, and yeah, it's, it's up to the viewer whether that juggling is successful, but those, that collision of tones is certainly what uh, gets me excited as a, as a filmmaker and often as a viewer of, of other movies. No, definitely. Um, and speaking earlier, you said you had worked in theater before. Was oh, that always going to be a transition into filmmaking or did it sort of just start to like happen as you were in theater? It was also, I mean, my first love before I ever found theater was making horrible little like camcorder movies, like forcing my brother, my younger brother to play all the roles, you know, playing playing backyard director. Uh, but then when I started going to school, just the even in high school, the the theater was what was close at hand, what was available. It was a great sort of social world for a, a nerdy kid with with uh, social stage fright like me. I somehow didn't have like stage fright, stage fright. I, I would feel more comfortable as myself acting on stage. And then I, I moved from that to playwriting and then kind of by chance and some good luck, uh, not entirely, I, I certainly wanted to make that transition, but I, for, for many years, I just wholeheartedly pursued playwriting and put on some plays, never found a, a particularly large, you know, Broadway audience or anything, but uh, then uh, kind of used a, initially a play I'd written, which was Thoroughbreds, my first movie, and turned that into a play, turned that into a film uh, and got into film directing that way. That's, that's interesting. Uh, so like with Thoroughbreds being a play at first, would that ever be something you would want to turn into a play at some point later down, or is it just uh, for being a film? Thoroughbred specifically or a, or a different uh, uh, project? Thoroughbred specifically or maybe yeah. another project you had written before as well? So it existed as a play. Uh, it had some readings. We never did a full production. There have been, we've had like informally a couple of college students reach out to, to put on a production of Thoroughbreds. Um, and I haven't been able to see any, but, but I'm, I'm all for that. I think it's, that's really, really cool and an unexpected fun thing. Um, and I still have some theater projects that I'm working on, but I've definitely, uh, I'm just so in love with specifically the process of directing and being on film sets that I, I don't want to give that up anytime soon. Yeah, totally. Uh, when I first watched Thoroughbreds, I just thought that, that, that was my initial thought is like, this could work as a play just because of dialogue and just the back and forth. And like you said, it was just like mainly in that big house. So I, I think that's definitely something I would love to see as well. Totally, totally. Yeah, maybe one day I'll I'll go all in on a theatrical production of Thoroughbreds. That could be cool. Yeah, I think so. Um, so after coming out of Landscape with Invisible Hand, what would you say is like one thing you're, you've learned from the set of the process that you're taking into your next project? I think that it's maybe it's an obvious answer, but the biggest thing is learning to work with visual effects. Um, it's such a specific skill. I think it's becoming increasingly important in in movies. Um, I think sometimes people lean on them too quickly when when there are other ways you can do things practically, but also just the the stuff that visual effects can accomplish now is incredible. Um, and there's a real artistry to the 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 dozens of animators hundreds of animators and compositors and 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 just whole vfx houses that go into producing these these movies uh it's really meticulous work it's really um 
you as a director, you, what I've learned is you really have to know what you want as early as possible. That's always true for a director, but when you're on set with humans who can try a different line or a costume department that has backup outfits ready to go and uh, a DP who can change the lighting, that's all much easier to change midway through than anything involving visual effects, which is incredibly expensive and time consuming to, to alter. So you, uh, that's just been the big, the big thing that I've learned how important pre-planning is to, to that whole aspect of the movies. Yeah, definitely. Uh, visual effects, definitely. I do agree with you. They, they can be leaned on too much, but I think in this movie that you did here, it was just like sprinkled enough where it, just, it made sense. Good. I hope so. Thank you. Yeah. So with all of that being said, um, what's next for you in terms of like, what are you looking to accomplish next? Yeah. It's a good question. I have a number of projects. Uh, I don't think anyone knows what's next until these very worthy uh, union battles get figured out uh, sure. with both, both SAG and WGA on strike. And, and I'm very much standing in solidarity with both of them. Uh, but yes, when, when hopefully when the unions get what they're asking for and, yeah. uh, and Hollywood returns to, to business, I think, you know, what we, what we saw with Barbenheimer just recently when we were recording yeah. this, the, I, I think indicates that the appetite for good movies uh, in theaters at the biggest level has has not gone anywhere, uh, and uh, so yeah, hopefully we all get back to it soon. And and uh, I have a couple different projects, none I can can speak openly about yet, but uh, something different. Yeah, we'll definitely be excited to check it out once that is uh, coming. And I agree. I hope that the unions are able to get what they're asking for uh, soon. And I uh, want to thank you for taking the time to speak with us today as well. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks for making the time. Yeah. And for everybody wondering, um, Landscape with Invisible Hand does come out August 18th. And we're definitely excited to catch it again with an audience again. So thank you again for your time. Thank you. Real pleasure. Thank you.